Welcome to KBCast, the podcast for security executives, interviewing people from around the globe on how organizations can operate smarter and stay safer. Here's Carissa Breen. cybersecurity scale-ups and growing businesses. We covered strategies to getting startups on board with security-first behaviour and getting executives to invest. We recorded this podcast remotely and unfortunately there was a bit of crackling on the line. We don't think it detracts too much from the episode or the awesome content and advice Philemon put down. Without further ado... Philemon Zongo, I am so excited to have this interview with you because I know we've literally spoken about it for maybe a year now. And I I know that we've known each other for a while and uh, I've been following your journey as you've been following mine. So I'd like to start off with talking about you and your journey to sort of talk the listeners through where you started to what you're doing now. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks, Carissa. I'm really excited as well. And uh, so my journey started long back. I come from Zimbabwe. So I graduated in 2003 uh, with an IT degree. And then I worked in uh, IT industry just for an internet services provider as a network engineer in 10 for about two years. But my my desire was always to leave Zimbabwe because the economy wasn't doing great. So I did some studies and got a place at Deloitte. So I, I was with Deloitte for two years as an IT auditor. And then I jumped ship and came over here to Australia working for PricewaterhouseCoopers. Mm-hmm. And that was uh, back in 2007. Uh, I worked with PwC just doing uh, cybersecurity, IT risk consulting. And I T audit as well for maybe four years. Uh, but when I got my PR, I left PwC. And I had a short stint at a company called Dimension Data. Mm-hmm. But I was only there, I was only there for six months. Then I was Listen. headhunted. I was headhunted for a role at uh, AMP mm-hmm. as an IT risk manager. So I spent four years at AMP as an IT risk manager. Uh, but then I was realizing that uh, within the entire space of IT risk, technology risk, cyber was becoming more and more prominent. So I decided to make a shift. So I moved over to cybersecurity and then I took on a junior role. And uh, yeah, ever since I've never regretted. But during that time within uh, AMP as well, I started to rejig my entire career path. Mm-hmm. So I, I I wanted to differentiate myself uh, from you know from the masses in the market, and uh, I looked into different options. And my number one uh, strategy was to improve my writing skills. So I started writing. Mm-hmm. I started writing a lot of uh, articles and blogs for ISACA, and uh, that really really uh, ignited a new career journey for myself. So I've been writing for ISACA maybe for the last uh, three or four years. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2017, I was very fortunate. One of my articles was voted an article of the year by ISACA globally. 
Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was invited to Chicago and I got an award. I remember that. Yes, I remember seeing yeah. that. That's 2017. Oh my god. 2017. Time flies. Oh, oh it really. Because yeah. <laughs> I remember yeah. meeting you at AMP. We'd have like I was like working not far from you, so it was yeah. it was easy to catch up then. And it was. Yeah, and so definitely you've uh, you've been doing your own venture now for what year and a half. Yeah, so I think it's worth just elaborating. When I left AMP, I joined Creston Wealth Management as a head of cybersecurity. I was very fortunate as well because Creston is uh, is only three years old, uh, and I had an opportunity to uh, build the strategy and build a lot of cybersecurity capabilities from the ground up. So I've been there for two years, uh, but about a year ago, I turned my role within Creston from uh, permanent into into a contract role. So I work there as a consultant, but I still retain my head of cyber risk, cyber uh, cyber security uh, responsibilities. So just to come back to your question is, I, I do run my own consultancy firm. So it's mm-hmm. called CISO Advisory. I do provide cyber security strategy governance uh, advice to senior business leaders, and I've been fortunate to work with a number of startup founders as well, mm-hmm. just helping them build their cybersecurity capabilities uh, from the ground up. Mm-hmm. Uh, about maybe um, six months ago, I also joined with two other guys, Darren Argyle and Jan Schroeder, mm-hmm. and we started this organization called the Cyber Leadership Institute. Okay. And Basically, on a high level, what we're trying to do is we're trying to solve the cyber skills shortage from the top going downwards. We realize there's a lot of uh, technical training courses that's being offered at the moment, but there is a leadership void. So we are trying to uh, solve that problem by developing the next generation of cyber leaders uh, and empowering them with the necessary skills to develop and implement high-impact and cost-effective cyber risk strategies. So that's pretty much, yeah, summarizes what I'm doing at the moment, just juggling a few balls. My main responsibility remains with Creston, uh, but mm-hmm. I do some consulting as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit more cyber skill shortage. Now, you probably, as anyone would know in this field, that there is a lot of different opinions that we don't have enough people, we've got too much people, but we're not utilising them. But let's sort of talk more about uh, developing the cybersecurity leaders. Now, as you and I have discussed previously, there's a lot of talk about if you're not the most technical person in the world, you're not necessarily valid. But obviously I've seen those opinions changing face a little bit more. So talk to me about that approach because – I believe that you're right in, adre- in addressing that gap. What sort of advice could you give to people who potentially do have the skill set from a leadership capacity but aren't as savvy on the tech side of it? What's your sort of approach on that? Yeah, that's a, that's a very important question. And the, the problem is actually much more complex than uh, what a lot of people see. Mm-hmm, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's maybe uh, three areas uh, where we have important or key problems. Mm-hmm. Number one is people who are trying to break into cybersecurity. And these are fairly people looking for junior roles to maybe middle management roles. And 
What I would say to those people is uh, go deep before you go wide. Because in as much as we emphasize the need for influencing communicating skills and strategy skills, the reality on the ground is a lot of roles that's been advertised right now on the market, they are technical in nature. So, yeah. uh, you know, I've been trying to help. I mentor a lot of people in cybersecurity. And over the last two years, we've been working on the soft skills and the influencing uh, bits as well. But, you know, when you look into the jobs that are out there, people are mm -hmm. looking for cloud security engineers. They're looking for SOC analysts. They're looking for security operations managers. They're looking mm -hmm. for, you know, uh, there's really uh, a lot of those skills. Uh, uh, you know, a lot of roles that are looking for, for the soft skills at an entry level. Uh, mm -hmm, the second mm -hmm. bit is the second bit is we, we've got a lot of uh, cybersecurity professionals, uh, architects, you know, IT risk managers, IT security managers, uh, who have done very well to get to where they are at the moment. But they are also facing a frustration because they want to proceed to the C-suite. They want to become chief information security officers. The reality, though, on the ground is the skills that got them to where they are at the moment will not take them to the C-suite. And even if they do, they will not thrive. And this mm -hmm, is where mm -hmm. we have a bigger void because, you know, the skills that are required up there have to do with self-awareness, influencing, mm -hmm. you know, communicating, simplifying cyber risk for board level uh, you know, board members, and those skills are not taught. When you do your CISSP, you do your CISM, or any other technical course, they don't teach those leadership skills. And that's, that's a big void that we're seeing as well. Mm -hmm. Then maybe the, the last area as well is uh, there's a lot of areas in cybersecurity that would benefit by moving people across different domains. You know, people who have, made, uh, who have worked in new product development, people who've worked in marketing, uh, they could easily come across into cybersecurity and really help, uh, you know, bridging that gap between the technical field and the business. And that's where we're seeing a, a big area as well. So, like I say, the problem is got those three different buckets to say, you know, we definitely need influencing skills. We need business communicating skills. But if you're trying to break with an entry role, I would rather advise that you go deeper first. And then, then once you are in cybersecurity, you can always try to, you know, build the, you know, understand the business value chain and, and become more a, a holistic approach. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, of course. One of the things I'd like to know a little bit more on is you spoke on the second point about people getting to, I guess, to a ceiling and then knowing that they need to learn soft skills to elevate them to that C-suite section. What I'd like to know is why do you believe uh, these certifications aren't teaching soft skills? And then secondly, why is there not a spotlight around that it's critical and paramount importance that people – at the C-suite level, need to be able to lead and influence people. And I feel the discussions that I do see online that they're, people seem to not like that as much, and I don't know why that is. I don't know whether it's intimidated or they're threatened. And if you can't influence, then no one 
in the business is going to give your security practice money. Am I right? Oh, you are absolutely right. Yeah. So, so I don't you... know why people are sort of thinking, oh, well, it's not really a preferred school. Well, it is if you want to get to a senior level. Yeah, it's it's definitely a preferred skill, and uh, uh, but there there is a challenge, uh, like you say. I think the number one issue is change is difficult. <laughs> so uh, I think you understand that uh, cybersecurity has got its roots in technology. So yeah. the people who have been working in cybersecurity uh, for quite some time, like myself, like I said, I've been doing this for 15 years, working mm -hmm. in IT mm -hmm. and IT risk and cybersecurity. Uh, for you to just come up to me and say, you, you now need to retrain. So this is not a problem that's unique to cybersecurity anyway. We see it with artificial intelligence, you know, automation. A lot of business roles are being automated. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in call centers and stuff, uh, the reality is people resist change because mm -hmm. change is very difficult. You need to unwind, you know, skills or routines that you have learned over years. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the fundamental issue is to say people need to have the self-awareness. And for you to have the humility to do away with your ego and say, what got me here, which was working five years ago, is no longer that relevant. I need to retrain myself in this leadership domain. And the big mistake that people think as well is you can maybe go to a, an offsite seminar for one day, uh, a leadership offsite seminar, and then you immediately become a leader. You know, these are the skills that you need to really work hard on. You know, yes. business communication, writing. I've been writing myself for uh, uh, the last three, four years, I know writing is very, very difficult, very frustrating. But for me to, for me to be able to uh, thrive within this very competitive industry, I know that I need to become a good writer. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I am willing to do the hard things so that my life may become easier in the future. So the, the fundamental issue here is cultural shift because, no you know, your, your, your traditional security person was someone who's got a Roots in IT infrastructure, they used to build uh, Active Directory, they used to build firewalls, intrusion prevention systems. All these technologies are still essential. And I think that's where we need to be very careful as well, because we are talking about the significance of the human factor. But what I fear is, you know, uh, this rhetoric as well, to say technology is not important is, is, is misplaced. You know, mm -hmm. it's a balance. You know, technology still plays a fundamental role, but if people want to get the significance they want, you want board attention, you need to be able to speak the, the, the language of the business. You need to understand the value chain. When you go and present your cybersecurity report uh, to the board, they want to understand how does it really impact the bottom line, the share price, you know, our mm -hmm. regulatory mm -hmm. compliance. That's what they care about. They don't yes. really care if you go and say we stopped 7 million <laughs> spam emails in the last They'll be week. like, what? Yeah, 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 you did. But, you know, what if you stop 8 million instead of 7 million? So, you know, we need to be able to develop those skills. But like I said, developing the leadership communication skills that are required to thrive in the C-suite, uh, it, it, it's not an overnight job. You know, it no. takes time. You need to be patient. You need to be very in. You need you, you need to be very 
you know, determined. You know, you need to come up with a plan and work over it over time. So I think there is a lot of resistance in the market anyway to say, you know, this has worked. You know, uh, it's no longer working. And, uh, so that need to retrain is there. But, yeah, I don't think people have the humility to do away with their ego and adjust to market demand. Hmm. It's a very interesting thought. Let's dive into security for tech startups. Now, I just want to preface this for everyone listening that we are talking about scale-ups. And this is a space where KBI operates in in terms of helping startups uh, scale from a marketing and commerce point of view. So I'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. What are startups or scale-ups missing when it comes to security? Yeah, really interesting point. So I wouldn't want to... uh, I think I would like to maybe start emphasizing what the the problem is, which is maybe your question anyway. So there are three fundamental areas uh, uh, with startups and cybersecurity, three key challenges. The number one is if you look into your traditional banks, you know, big banks, for example, they've been working on cybersecurity uh, for the last 10 years. You know, they have invested heavily billions of dollars into cybersecurity, they have maybe thousands of people working uh, for within their cybersecurity functions. Mm-hmm. What's that done is the gap between your established enterprise and the startup in terms of cybersecurity capability has widened. So the startups don't have the capabilities that the big banks and big players have. And for that reason, it makes them softer target for, for cyber criminals. You know, cyber criminals, they prefer the path of least resistance because that's easier, that's cheaper, that's faster. So mm-hmm. uh, startups, more and more we're seeing uh, cyber criminals, they prefer to target, you know, poorly secured startups. And uh, uh, so their, their, their risk is rising. Uh, the other issue as well that we see is... Um, uh, in terms of uh, in in terms of uh, security, security does cost money, and I think that's one thing we need to be very careful with. And I see a lot of rhetoric as well to say you don't necessarily need to spend millions. Definitely, you don't need to spend millions, but you still need to spend money. So mm-hmm. the key issue that I find when I'm dealing with startups is uh, uh, they are. Uh, their motivation is product functionality. They, they want to develop a product that works. And there's still this perception that security and functionality cannot coexist. So they prioritize functionality in, te- uh, uh, in front of, uh, of security. And um, because they also have got limited funds, you know, they are really failing to, to, to invest in, 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 in cybersecurity. Uh, the last issue that I find when I'm dealing with startups as well is this general lack of awareness is what's required in the market. So I'll give you a quick example. I had a startup give me a call and say, oh, we've got a, a big contract coming up, but uh, the client is requested to uh, ask to, to demonstrate the cyber, our cybersecurity maturity are you able to come and help us develop some framework and policy so we can send back to the client? And I say, when is this needed? They said on Monday. And that was like Thursday. You know what oh I mean? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yep. So the general lack of awareness is to 
what do they really need to build into their product, given their limited budgets? So I know that a lot of startups, they use their own money. They, they don't have, you know, millions of dollars like large financial uh, institutions, uh, but they still need to do security. So I, I think those are the three key areas that where I'm seeing uh, a lot of issues to say uh, their risk exposure is increasing because cyber criminals are targeting startups as a way to get into heavily fortified enterprises. You know, instead of going straight for a bank, they look around, they find there is a, maybe a, a startup that works from Bankstown, and they've got remote access to this large institution. They don't have 2FA, they go in, and, you know, before you know it, it's game over. So okay. the, the, the startups themselves have become a softer avenue for cyber criminals to breach into heavily fortified institutions. And the second issue, like I say, they don't have the money. Uh, and even if they do have the money, they prioritize speed to market and product functionality mm -hmm. ahead mm -hmm. of security. And then lastly, uh, like, like I said, you know, cyber security uh, really costs money. For you to do a pen test, you need to pay someone. And mm -hmm. they just don't have the money or they don't have the, they don't have the knowledge. You know, they don't know what needs to be done. So I think those are the key three challenges that I see when I deal with startups. So on the third point, you raised awareness, uh, awareness yeah. in a market. where So where should people be looking then? So if I'm a scale up, I know I need to do some level of security. What should I be Googling, looking online? Like where would you sort of point people in that direction? Oh, you know, that's that's a difficult question, you know. So, yeah, it is a difficult question because, uh, and that's a big problem we have. You know, I, I don't have a straight-up solution because a lot of security, security frameworks that have been developed, you know, look into ISO framework. That's hundreds of controls. PCI is more than 200 controls. NIST is an entire website full of PDF documents. You know, these frameworks are designed with large enterprises in mind, not startups. So mm -hmm. what I always say to, you know, when, when I'm dealing with startups, the number one thing that I say is if you are really working in highly regulated uh, uh, markets like, you know, oil and gas or uh, financial services, you need to start thinking about security early. And the best way you can do is to align your security practices with industry framework. Fortunately, there are some industry frameworks that are a little bit more, uh, uh, they're, they're a little bit more flexible. Look at the ASD top eight, for example, which are you know essential eight controls that in, any organization can implement to reduce the likelihood of cyber attacks. Uh, mm -hmm. That was, you know, formulated by the Australian uh, government. You know, that is a practical uh, methodology or framework that a startup can, you know, demonstrate compliance with. There's also another one which is called the SANS Top 20 or CIS Top 20. So these are 20 essential controls that significantly reduce your risk exposure as well. So in as much as uh, the majority of cybersecurity frameworks and standards were never developed with startups in mind. There is some which you can always use because the, the whole idea here is you need to demonstrate to whoever you're do, doing business with that you care about security. And this is what I, I see always because, you know, if you don't think about your own security, how will you care about my data? 
you know, that's what the client mm-hmm. does. So I think it's very difficult for, uh, for a startup to find one model that really works. The idea mm-hmm. is to, you know, look around. Uh, my book, which is the five anchors of cyber resilience, that's why I wrote it anyway, because I was frustrated myself coming from risk into cybersecurity. I found a lot of uh, the existing material very complex. The frameworks were very expansive. So that motivated me to say, what if I can simplify this subject for you know people like you know startup founders, business leaders, so they can really understand the essential controls they can build around their their enterprises. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That leads me to my next point. So you spoke just before around a lot of these frameworks being quite heavy that integrate well into an enterprise. Do you believe security is not structured appropriately in terms of services to cater to startups? And I say this because I know a lot of vendor products that are out there are sort of say, nope, we only work with enterprises and that's it. Can you can you rephrase your question? Do you believe security is not structured appropriately in terms of services to cater for startups? Because I know a lot of vendors on the market, when you're talking to them, they only cater for enterprises. What's your thoughts around that? Oh, yes, uh, it's, uh, you, uh, you are 100% correct. Uh, coming back to my earlier point, you look into the frameworks themselves um, there's no way a lot of startups that I come across, they don't even employ a single cybersecurity uh, person. So for them to start trying to comply with NIST or ISO or PCI or whatever framework, large framework that's out there, even COVID, it's, it, it's, it's not feasible. So from, from the start, these guys are, you know, they're set to fail because for you to work with these large enterprises now, security is a must. You know, for the clients that I work with, before we even talk about your capabilities, we want to know whether you think about security and whether you've got any, any, any audit reports that we can place reliance on. So security has become a, a number one criteria when we are choosing third parties to deal with. So mm-hmm, a lot of mm-hmm. startups are, are, you know, they're set to fail. And to your point as well, uh, a lot of products out there, uh, they they target large enterprises. And right. when I talk with technology vendors, the number one question that I always ask them is, what's your entry point? You know, bit of flexibility now in terms of, you know, licensing security tools because, you mm-hmm. know, they're licensed per device or per server instead of just a contract of $100,000 a year. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that flexibility is, is good for startups. Uh, but what I see, though, in reality is a lot of vendors don't have an appetite to deal with someone who pays them $4,000 a year. They don't even entertain. So I think, you know, it, it's very difficult because they, they target contracts for half a million dollars, you know, $6 million, and they can easily get that from the top end of town. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is their appetite of dealing with someone who pays them $5,000 a year to build a security operation center or to put in some monitoring within their network. So Mm -hmm. that's a big challenge to say, you know, the security industry is heavily capitalistic. You know, people are doing this for money. They're not doing this to uh, protect the economy. There's not Mm -hmm. many products that are suited for for startups. And, but like I said, with the pay user model uh, that's starting to emerge and licensing security tools per server, 
uh, or you know how much bandwidth you consume or sorry traffic uh, you you consume into into the devices that flexible model will help startups in the future but as we speak right now that's that's difficult so I think those are the two fundamental problems. The frameworks themselves, which they need to comply with, uh, even large enterprises, they fail to comply with those, those, you know, let alone a startup that doesn't even employ a single cybersecurity person. And the security tools are expensive. And the entry point is normally up there. They want, you know, 30 grand, 40 grand. And a lot of startups don't have that money. Do you think companies will start diversifying their services? Now, I know you said there's a lot of uh, – uh, they're focusing more on enterprises, but there's still a big market. We're not talking about startups like two-man team. We're talking about the scale-up, that mid-market. I still believe that there isn't enough vendors and uh, providers out there that are supplying services, but do you think that will start changing face in terms of these companies – being more aware that there are these scale-ups out there and there is a market for these types of services? I, I think over time, yeah, we're seeing a lot of uh, venture capital being poured into cybersecurity. So there's a lot of money that's being poured, especially into, into technical solutions. Mm-hmm. So I think of, over time, the, the flexible models that we are seeing and a lot of companies that are doing away with the traditional uh, you know, data center-based models and moving their workloads into the cloud. I think that's uh, fostering uh, a lot of positive change as well. That's what why a lot of security companies are now offering, you know, firewalls in SaaS model, you know, mm-hmm. instead of your hardware, traditional hardware appliances. Yeah. So I think the market will shift. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have seen that from, you know, from the software perspective anyway. You know, I think when Salesforce and Zero started, they were targeting enterprises as well. But mm-hmm. over time, as their capabilities improve, you know, they, they just, you know, anyone can. I use zero myself. I'm a startup. And, you know, it takes me a few minutes to set up and to link my bank accounts. And I don't even need to do uh, bookkeeping. So mm-hmm. uh, we, we will see, I think, the same trend in terms of security. Uh, but what's important for me is I think the startups themselves don't, you, you don't need to wait until the market changes because security is very, very important. So mm-hmm. the question is, what can they do now, you know, in mm-hmm. the absence or, you know, with all these, you know, uh, challenges, you know, you need to be able to manage the challenges instead of just waiting for the market to change. Yeah, you're, you're so right. And I think there's some really valid points that you raised there. Let's talk about security in terms of cost versus uh how security should be looked at in terms of investment. What is your strategy to getting startups on board with security first behavior and getting them to invest? Because you mentioned that before, that cost is an issue and it's all about functionality first. How can companies reverse engineer? Because this is a critical thing for a lot of these companies, whether they agree with it or they don't, it needs to be security first. Yeah, so uh, brilliant question. Um, it, it all starts with security awareness, and uh, the big challenge we see in the broader market, uh, not talking about security, uh, about startups, is you know senior business leaders who have to make important investment decisions. Uh, the awareness in cybersecurity is very low. I think more than 90% of senior business leaders and corporate directors 
don't understand cybersecurity. So that's, that's a big problem. So if we are going to deal with this issue about startups and cybersecurity, I think it all starts with education, you know. For me, it's for, you know, if you are a startup who is working in a heavily regulated industry, uh, it's not a matter of, uh, it's not a matter of uh, if, but when mm-hmm. your clients will impose cybersecurity upon you. You know, I see this play every day. You know, <laughs> I've got friends who, who are startup founders who are not even my clients, but they are startup founders and they have lost you know, contracts that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars because can I, they can I just ask, can I just jump in there? Yeah. Just on that point, do you think when they are losing clients that are worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, are they surprised by this? Or are they sort of like, oh, yeah, we should have looked into that a little bit earlier? Uh, they are, they are, they are so shocked. They are, they're shocked. Because, yeah, yeah, because, you know, you are on the verge of uh, securing a contract that's going to fundamentally change not just your business but your life. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the last minute, uh, this large organization comes to you and say, we need to do a due diligence on you. Can you show us your uh, latest penetration test report? Can you show us your uh, cybersecurity framework? Can you mm-hmm. show us your ISO certification? <laughs> and then what happens? They, they, Crickets. They don't, no, no, they don't have. They don't have. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. when they call me and say, we need a cybersecurity framework and we need it on Monday. And that is on a Thursday or Wednesday, Wednesday night. <laughs> so and for you and for you to attain, you know, say you need a, an ISO certification, an auditor is not just going to come in and give you an ISO certification. You know, you need to build your capabilities over a space of maybe three to six months. Mm-hmm. So you have got enough trail to demonstrate that you have built your ISMS system. Then an auditor will come in. They will spend several weeks do, uh, looking into your system. They will issue the ISMS certificate. Mm-hmm. That you can then issue to the large bank that's requiring you to demonstrate cybersecurity awareness. So a lot of them are really surprised because uh, they only know about security when the client requests them to demonstrate their security. And to my I earlier see. point is you know, to say, if you haven't even thought about your own security, how will you care about my security? And this is what the clients ask, and I think it's a fair question. So mm-hmm. to your earlier point, startups, they need to think about cybersecurity early because it is not an option. You need to demonstrate cybersecurity maturity for you to, to win. So security is now a business enabler. It's no longer a cost center. It's not, it's not a nice to have. You need to have it. So if you don't think about it early, you are going to lose business. And, you know, uh, right now I'm talking about security as a business enabler, but, you know, there are several case studies as well where startup founders have lost their businesses because their businesses themselves were hacked and they didn't have any backup solutions. You know, they, you know, uh, they hosted systems in the cloud. They didn't think about privileged access. Someone got in there, they deleted all the servers. So we see this all the time. I've got several case studies in my book where, you know, startup founders, they lost, they lost their entire businesses because they didn't think about their own security. So security is twofold. One is to protect what you are building because you're putting in enormous amount of time and effort. You're working over weekends. You're sacrificing time with your kids. 
and you're building this infrastructure or this solution in the cloud, and suddenly, you know, someone hacks your infrastructure, they get in, they delete everything, you lose your business. You don't want that. Secondly, if you want to expand, security is a must because all these big banks or these large energy companies, they are demanding security assurance before they even sign a contract. You're so right. You just speak so much sense all of the time. But uh, what I'd like to close with is yeah. what are five things startups or scale-ups can take away in terms of security advice from yourself that they can go and implement straight away? My number one recommendation to startups is wherever possible, do not build your own systems. You know, use the cloud. Use software as a service solutions that are already out there. You know, instead of uh, spending millions of dollars building your own systems in a data center and trying to buy all these security monitoring solutions costing thousands of dollars and having architects come in and design security solutions, you've got vulnerabilities all over the place. Why can't you just go and use Salesforce, who themselves have got layers and layers and layers of security? So I think that's my number one recommendation to start up to say a lot of cloud service providers have invested heavily. They're putting billions of dollars into their security capabilities. You know, go onto the Amazon Web Services website, for example. Amazon Web Services, you know, their infrastructure is a service. They do have uh, more than a dozen cybersecurity certifications. You know, they've been certified by the U.S. government. So instead of you building your own systems that are isolated, you know, just try to tap into these secure environments, you know, from the start. So then what that does, it, you know, you, you, you spend time doing things that you are really good at because, you know, you're not a security guy. Uh, you, you need to outsource that. And software as a service now provides very viable, easy to use, highly functional platforms that are secure by design. Mm -hmm. So that's my number one recommendation. Uh, the second recommendation is think about security early. If you are listening to this podcast, I think that's a fantastic opportunity for you to maybe bring in a security consultant uh, that are going to work with you to build you know, uh, a very pragmatic cybersecurity framework. So they build a cybersecurity framework, a strategy, and some you know, baseline policies. Because sooner or later, your clients are going to request for these documents. If you don't have them, you know, trying to go onto the internet and downloading some policies and changing, uh, putting in your logo is not going to work. Oh you know, these guys, God. they, yeah, it's not going to work. And I see this all the time. Uh, really? Yeah, wow. yeah, of course. Because, There's no yeah. integrity behind doing that. Okay, right. Uh, yeah, but, you know, my point is, it's very, it's very, even if you do that, you know, you will fail because these guys have been, they've been auditing security frameworks. They can easily, they can easily oh, tell. They can tell. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Then the, uh, so I talked about building a cybersecurity framework. A framework is one thing, but what's even more important is building a cybersecurity assurance model, you know, so once you are pretty happy with your cybersecurity, bring in someone externally suitably qualified consultant to validate the effectiveness of your security controls. So there's quite a number of industry frameworks out there. 
I think my number one preference when I look into uh, cybersecurity is called the SOC 2 Type 2 report, uh, a framework that's uh, been issued by the American, uh, American Association of Public Accountants. So the SOC 2 Type 2 report is highly regarded. Uh, you know, it might be difficult for very small startups because it, it's, it's quite comprehensive as well. But please do something. Bring in someone to audit your systems and issue an independent audit report. So when your clients come in to do your due diligence, all you do is you say, you know, Deloitte came in, EY came in, or these cybersecurity consultants came in. They looked into our security against this framework, and this is the audit report. That's going to save you a lot of time and money because if you don't have this report, they will unleash their own auditors, and you're going to spend months you know, going through audit processes and fail at the end and lose the business anyway. So that's very important. And the other point as well is if you are developing high-risk applications or applications that are exposed to the Internet, make sure that you get an independent penetration test report as well. Bring in some, you know, independent pen testers. They try to hack into your system uh, just using the same, the same uh, tactics that bad guys do. You identify these vulnerabilities, you fix them early. Then whenever the due diligence happens, then you issue the pen test report. So the, maybe my fourth point is, you know, a lot of security. Security is not as complicated as people think, you know. And like I said, I don't want to downplay the importance of technology here, but a lot of security is basic cybersecurity hygiene. You know, make sure that your systems are up to date with security patches. Make sure you don't use, uh, you know, administrative user accounts to save the internet. Going on LinkedIn, going on social media, you know, make sure that your high-risk systems have two-factor authentication as well. Cybersecurity basics, you've got internet banking, make sure you've got two-factor authentication. You know, a lot of these, you know, sites, they offer this, but people never enable them. You know, email as well, your Gmail. You know, make sure you've got two-factor authentication on there. And the last, the last point that I, I would like to highlight is, you know, security is very broad. And you need to think about security as a business risk, not as a technology issue. And what that means is, you know, you need to acknowledge that it's impossible for you to be able to mitigate every cyber threat out there. You know, you need to have a risk-based approach. And that's why, you know, in my five angles of cyber resilience, one of the angles is you need to identify your crown jewels, those most important digital assets that if they are hacked today, you will be in deep trouble. Make sure that, you know, you've got limited resources, put in differentiated security controls in place, you know, prioritize the protection of your crown jewels. You won't be able to you know, uh, protect yourself against every uh, cyber threat out there. So be very smart, be, you know. But like I say, there's a lot of consultants out there that can help people. And the earlier you think about security, the better. Because sooner or later, you're going to lose business or you're going to lose your company. And I'm not really fear-mongering here. It is just reality. I've got several case studies that I have. Awesome. Loved it. I think you gave a lot of advice for people who are working the startup and scale up uh, area. If people want to reach out to you, where can they find you? Yeah, brilliant point. So there's a few uh, places to find me. So uh, my website is uh, 
cisoadvisory.com.au. Uh, there is a, a form there. You can send me an email. My email is there as well. Uh, I also spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, just like yourself. <laughs> so <laughs> if you drop me a... <laughs> If you drop me a direct message on, on LinkedIn, I will surely I will surely respond. And and like I said, you know, it's this is something that's uh, I'm dearly passionate about. I spend a lot of time uh, giving free, you know, uh, you know, consultation to startups. You know, I'm not saying I'm gonna spend a day at your company, but you know, uh, you know, I'm really happy to meet up and give you, you know, high level strategic direction because the risk here is. You spend a lot of money buying technology solutions, but you really need to be smart about it. But we can help you share lessons that we have seen work in other environments. Then we can replicate in your environment as well. Well, it's been really good watching your journey in terms of when I met you to what you're doing now and the stuff that you are doing in the industry. And I really appreciate you for spending the time to come on the show today. Thanks very much, Phil. Thank you, KB. Very proud of what you're doing as well. Have a great weekend. Thanks for tuning in to KB Cast, the cybersecurity podcast for executives. We always value your support and would love it if you could leave us a review or a comment on your platform of choice, iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. And that's always appreciated. Till next time.